This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, submit your measurements, and your package will be delivered straight to your door in just two weeks. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering the code BLUEWIRE at checkout. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. That is an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Hey, all cheaters, and welcome to the I Was Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm fantastic, Josh. We are, we are here in the United States celebrating Thanksgiving. It's a long holiday weekend, but I have to say, the Premier League and FPL has been pretty exciting, uh, despite my, like, turkey tryptophan sleepiness <laughs> that yeah. I've been poisoned with. It's been a good, yeah, it's been a good stretch for just actually the actual matches themselves. You know, I, I, I was home for a few days last week and so I was able to watch the uh, Chelsea Valencia match, which was super, super fun and entertaining. A, a real pure watch for me because I'm not a Chelsea fan and um, obviously there's no fantasy stakes in that match for me. So I was just just watching it, watching, you know, I guess I did I did see Tammy come down on his hip, uh, you know, and no one really knew what was coming out of that. And I guess we still kind of don't know. Uh, what the late, you know, what, what's yeah. maybe by the time people are listening, you know, something will have come out. But, um, you know, you could see him screaming in pain, but also you couldn't really tell from when he went down how bad it was. Look, I kind of fell on his side, you know, like a painful bone bruise or something. Uh, but yeah, I, he I didn't agree have with you. like a, yeah. a uh, 
He didn't have a Nani-esque tear rolling down his face. <laughs> it seemed like genuine pain. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess Nani was too. Nani was just an emotional guy, wasn't he? He was. He'll, he'll be it's missed. <laughs> he, 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 is, he is missed. It's interesting that you say Tammy was screaming because I think it's rare that you actually see players screaming. They're usually clenching. That's true. But, yeah, the, the latest word from Lampard was, we'll know more at the end of the weekend. So... Yeah. One would guess Tammy is nursing something and it will be reassessed probably at the training facilities tomorrow morning on Monday. Yeah. I wonder if what, if it's true for fantasy injuries the way it's true in war. They say in war the the like if you're like a medic, like the people who are screaming the most are the people that you can kind of let be for a little while. And it's the quiet ones that you have to worry about. Like those are the ones where, where the where like where they're like really oh seriously injured. Uh, and the screaming ones are probably going to be okay. So like I actually think I wonder it does kind of hold true because sometimes like when a player goes down with like a bad knee injury, like there's no screaming, right? They're just they're just silent because yeah. <laughs> they know it's over. Yeah. You know, they like I'm thinking of like it's Theo over. Walcott, you know, going off in the uh, North London Derby a few years ago, and I was like, that was you knew you knew that was a year yeah. right there. You know, so. Have you never heard I love that before? It. Just like more, <laughs> the more morphine packets just being shot straight into uh, into Tammy's hip. That sounds awesome. All right, so that's enough about just the Tammy Abraham podcast. <laughs> Let's talk about our game week. So we yeah. we actually the the game week fourteen matches finished like thirty minutes ago. There was so little time between when we're posting this episode and when the midweek game week kicks off. Like we are officially in festive fixture pile-up season yeah. which is yeah. i mean that's exciting right it kind it's of fills great. me with a lot of fpl adrenaline i'm taking two half days off from work this week brandon that's how that's how addicted i am to these matches i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> i kind of screwed i kind of screwed things up and i took monday off and uh, i'm going to be at work on tuesday and wednesday but that's mm. just how sort of like how many holes i have in my brain so um, we are going to talk about in the in the midst of this festive period, we're seeing a bunch of new faces and names emerge. So that's the that's the general theme of this podcast is fresh faces, new players, new managers. Uh, that that's going to be the heart of what we discuss. But first, our game week fourteens. We both had pretty good game weeks. Josh, how did you fare? Yeah, I mean, I think we both have to count them as as really good game weeks. Uh, uh, I finished on uh, seventy points, um, as did as did you, I believe, right? Although you took a four point hit in your case, but um, yeah, I mean, I've got to yep. feel you've got to feel really good about about seventy points, uh, you know. Given, um, I don't know. I mean, it feels like it was kind of a swingy week in some ways. You know, I feel like I don't know what the average is going to. Again, we're we're not we're not we haven't typically recorded this soon, and so it feels like we, we don't have like complete information in some ways. But I think the average is going to come around in around you know like forty five or fifty somewhere in that range. So. Um, looks like we're both going to finish about 20 yeah. points above the average, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's it's a good feeling. I mean, I moved up about 200,000 spots from, it uh, looks like I moved from like 407 overall to 210 overall. So uh, that's a good feeling. It gets me a little closer to where I want to be around this time of the year. Um, and I mean, the biggest thing for me was, uh, you know, there was a 15 minute stretch uh, <laughs> on Saturday where Trent Alexander-Arnold assisted Virgil van Dyke on two goals. And I am doubled up right now with Van Dyke and Alexander Arnold. Um, and that was 27 points uh, right there from those two players, almost a third of my full, you know, my total score for the game week. Um, and I think the other big one was, uh, you know, the first minute of the morning fixtures where, um, and I actually missed it. I, it's like one of those awful fantasy moments where uh, 
I I decided I was going to run to the bathroom right before the matches started. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll miss mm-hmm. like the first 30 seconds. I'll be fine. Uh, and I ran back. And as soon as I was back, uh, Lise Massey had already scored and uh, and whirled away in celebration. So uh, so Lise Massey, who I brought in um, as a bit of a you know low ownership punt last week, um, looks like he's going to finish on three bonus points today. And so it'll be 16 points. Uh, total for, for him in two game weeks uh, since I brought him in. I brought him at 4.9 million. So, um, you know, that's to get that many points from a, from a sub 5 million player is is massive. I mean, his ownership is still only at 4%. And Sheffield have this crazy run of fixtures coming up, this great run of fixtures. So, um, yeah, so that feels really good. And then getting the goal, obviously, from Vardy right at the end today was was big as well. Yeah. And how about you, Brian? Yeah, 70 points for me. And I did take that minus four, which in the end turned out to be a good points hit i think the um the net gain for me was around 11 points to bring in soyunju with just two but sun and Jimenez were my other moves uh for mount on a two pointer and aguero who just didn't play so i'm feeling really good about how um i played that that transfer hit and hopefully it sets me up for these coming fixtures i ended up keeping tammy abraham just to see what the news is going to be i mean i think there are a lot a lot of different ways to play Tammy right now. You know, if you if you choose to be concerned about the value you have tied up there, but I think we'll talk a bit more about Chelsea and where we are right now with Chelsea as a whole. Are they on the wane as far as far as FPL output is concerned? But Jimenez was the guy I was targeting, and I already had a, a waylaid striker in Aguero, so that was an easy swap for me to make. And and like the the happiest news on Sunday was Cantwell, who I positioned first on my bench, gets auto subbed for Tammy Abraham. So that's a nice eight points on a uh, once beloved Norwich midfielder. <laughs> Talk about cheap assets. I mean, that's eighteen points total for him in the last two game weeks as well. So. It's like the revenge of the of the cheap player the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, right. And I continue to get away with not having any Liverpool attack. Sterling and De Bruyne covered me with 17 points. Super happy right now. And I think I'm officially into that window of beyond uncertainty where I just can't go for a Liverpool attacker right now with the yeah. game week 18 blank so soon on the horizon. So I, I, I'm feeling... Um, I'm at least feeling decided about that. I don't feel great about it, though. Well, I mean, yeah, it would be money that you'd be worried about. I mean, based on yesterday's match, Mosala is, I mean, you know, he's still a good player. But, of course, I mean, he's, you know, six goals and three assists in the season. Um, you know, still has some moments where he looks really dangerous. Uh, you know, probably should have had an assist yesterday when he sent a, set up um Oh, Oxley Chamberlain. It could be uh, one up, of 10 players. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, I forgot Oxley Chamberlain was starting that match. He said, set up Oxley Chamberlain. Oh, for right. I remember that play. Yeah. So, um, but you know, another, another blank from him and, um, yeah, it just, I get I'm sort of, it's funny cause I'm sort of in the opposite mode as you where I think I have to hold him. You know, like you don't want to bring, you don't want to bring in a player, but I feel like I, I don't really want to drop him right now. I mean, they play Everton, Bournemouth and Watford in their next three you know, he was subbed off early in yesterday's match. I, I think it's likely that he starts in the, uh, you know, in the in the Liverpool derby. You know, so um, I don't know. It's just kind of like a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky spot to be. And uh, you know, I feel like I sort of got away with it this week, but not having Sadio Mane. But um, I think I'm just going to hold. And I mean, the rotation is going to come in midweek, and my feeling is that I just don't know who's going to get rotated and it feels like it's it's a situation where you could outsmart yourself you know you could you could burn your transfers you could burn four and you could try to 
figure out, you know, who's going to play at midweek and you could end up just sort of costing yourself, you know, I sort of feel the way a little bit with Mason Mount too, where I kind of want him to go, but it's like, does he start? Does he not? If I, if I bring in a player, right. am I just going to, you know, is the player I'm going to bring in going to start, you know? And so it's just a, it's a, a tricky time, I think for, for, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of fantasy assets who were kind of looking to maybe drop a little bit, you know? So it's, um, yeah, that Liverpool yeah. one though, I think is the trickiest thing. Although Saudi money still looks, looks great. I mean, if you, you know, I mean, if you could afford Sterling to Mane, which, you know, I actually could. Um, hmm, that'd be interesting. <laughs> if you could have, you, you, if you could afford Sterling Demane, then uh, that would have to be tempting. I think. Actually, I couldn't do it because I have three Liverpool players already. But um, yeah, so I don't know. It's, yeah, and that defense is just a funky thing too. You know, because um, oh, I mean, now, I don't now know. with Allison out for uh, he's gonna. Is it three matches or just one match? It wasn't violent conduct per se. So I think, yeah, I maybe think it's, it's just one match. I think it's just one. Yeah, I think he's back at the weekend. I just actually checked on the site. He's back on December 7th. So it's just a weird, that whole thing was so weird with him. Like, I mean, how does he, how do you make that kind of mistake? You know, like, how does that, how does that happen? Yeah, no, I think he was just kind of caught, caught between two minds. Like I, I have to break up this play and then realizing it's going to go over his head. And I don't know. I don't know if you're giving him a lot of credit to say, he knew what he was doing, uh, taking the red card, or if it was just a dumbheaded mistake. I think you've just got to call it a dumb mistake because, I mean, it's not like that was like a certain goal that he punched away. I mean, who knows where that ball was going to go, you know? So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think that was just... He was having flashbacks yeah. to that time where Van Dyke like, uh, kicked the ball over <laughs> his head last season. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I that that must be what it was. I don't know. And then Adrian clearly not mentally ready to come to that match. I mean, he lets, you know, Dunk rolls the ball in from about 30 yards out, uh, which was, I mean, I get that it's kind of a clever play, but he's got to be able to scramble over there. Like that was, ugh, yeah. that was insane. A longstanding Brooklyn Thanksgiving tradition amongst our friends. The Wednesday night before the holiday, we go bowling. And mm-hmm. you see a wide spectrum of skills when you're at the bowling alley from – you know, old timers on league night who are just like crushing pins. And then yep. the little kids that have to use the slide to get the ball, any momentum whatsoever. Dunk's free kick, I think, was closer to uh, what I think of like the kid using like the the bumpers to get the ball all the way down the alley. And the fact that the fact that Adrian let that one in and basically just like watched it and was like pointing his finger at it like, look at that. Um, it's really quite damning. Yeah, I was joking that it was like I watched a hundred k rank drop roll slowly into the net because uh, it was the, the double defense. Yeah. I was like, no, you could just see it happening in, in slow motion. But uh, yeah, that was just it's. It, but like again, it's like we talked about this before with them, and I, I know we're, we're we need to. Get, you know, this is we're jumping ahead a little bit because this is part of the topic for today's pod. But um, it's such a funny thing with them because it's just it's just one goal. Like there's never all these matches. It's not like they're it's not like they're getting you know you know, crushed every week and that they're just hanging on, you know, it's like they're, they, there were a few moments in the first half where Brighton, you know, had a bit of an advantage, I think. And, uh, one chance dunk actually had a big chance, um, in the first half too. Um, but in general, there, it's just this one goal they keep conceding. And so that still gives me hope that the defense is basically fine. You know, uh, I mean, otherwise, I guess the assumption would be that Lovren is just that much worse uh, than Madhub is because otherwise, I mean, everyone's basically the same as they were before. You know, I guess they did, they don't have Fabinho now, which I guess is a little bit of a difference. But does that like worry you at all? Like not having Fabinho to kind of protect the defense? Does that make you feel like 
they're maybe a little more susceptible to uh, giving up clean sheets. I mean, it it has to, I think, because Fabinho is such a powerhouse in the midfield. However, from where we're speaking, from an FPL perspective, I don't think it's that much of a difference maker, that much of a drop off to where we suddenly have to scuttle all of our Liverpool fantasy assets. Right. So yeah. while Agreed. I have a, fo- a football mind, I can see it's a problem for Liverpool. I don't see how it's a huge uh, alarm for FPL managers. Yeah, uh, that's that's pretty much how I feel, too. It's uh, um, I think that, you know, come game week 18, I wouldn't be I have three Liverpool players right now. I would not be surprised if I rolled out of that game week with only one um, because mm-hmm. I don't think I need solid long term. And I don't really feel like I need the double. I mean, thank God. Thank you, Virgil van Dijk, for two goals in one match. That was amazing. I, I will always appreciate yeah. those seven <laughs> those points. But I, I you know, but I'm not so loyal just because he did well. I mean, and also, so I mean you have eight, game week 18, and then coming out of the break, they play Leicester uh, away. That's not a great fixture, obviously. Um, they play Wolves after that. I mean, Wolves is a tough team and they could very, very easily score a goal um you know even at home in that match i mean the wolves scored two you know way to man city a few weeks ago uh spurs and man united coming up after that and so it feels like maybe now is the right you know like coming up for the next couple weeks it's a hold and then start to divest your liverpool assets would be my right suggestion maybe not money if you have them because he's in such good form okay so as we mentioned it's just so quickly after the final matches of game week 14 closed out the super league the always cheating super league hasn't updated so we'll update you guys uh, on our next podcast but if you want to join the super league just go to alwayscheating.com and click the league tab patreon thank yous new patreon members as of this week big thank yous at the lord sorloth tier to ben Lawmer and jack Byrne, and at the pookie patron level longtime twitter friend and i actually met adam beasley down in new orleans a couple years ago a uh, great spurs fan and a great hang and correct congratulations on becoming a doctor adam now he's got that doctor money, right, Josh? So <laughs> That's he can true. Throw, throw, throw a few uh, through, uh, coins our way on the Patreon page. Yeah. If you want to know more about how to support what Josh and I do, just go to patreon.com slash always cheating. That's right. It's the, and then it is December, Brandon. Uh, we don't we try not to hit people too hard on the Patreon thing, but uh, December is kind of like a little pledge month for the cheaters. So if you've been thinking about supporting the cheaters for a while, lots of fixtures coming up over the next few weeks. Lots of conversation on the Slack. We're going to be doing our you know our, our extra our bonus podcast for patrons. A uh, ton of extra content will be available to you to listen to. Um, and you know if it's the holidays, so if you if you have the opportunity to kick in, that would be great. Uh, this is a very low stakes uh, push for pledges. So if you can do it great if you can't absolutely no worries uh but if you can go to uh, patreon.com slash always cheating to do so you did mention the holidays there josh and it's a good point because we do also have a shop at always cheating.com so if you have a an fpl fan or an always cheating pod fan in your life you can get a t-shirt a sweatshirt or a coffee cup at our shop at always cheating.com Excellent. So on that plug, let's take a quick break and we'll get right into the heart of the podcast. All right, Brian, we're back. As you mentioned, super quick turnaround. Game week 15 kicks off on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Only two matches on Tuesday, but one of them is a Man City match, which uh, I'm hoping that we get some leaks before that match comes out, right? Because it would not. Would you be surprised if Sterling and KDB were on the bench for this one? I would be surprised if both of them were. Yes, definitely. I think De Bruyne is, I would, I would put money down that De Bruyne starts in the midweek. Sterling is the bigger wild card, but these are the, 
Listen, Pep is having a real problem right now with the city. They yeah. just don't seem to know what they're doing. They don't have enough drive. And the only people on that pitch, Mares will have one moment per match. But Sterling and De Bruyne right now seem to be the only players that Pep can rely on for any sort of real attacking impetus. So yeah. I actually yeah. would be, wouldn't be surprised if they both started and played 90. They need Mares to play so much better than he has. You know, uh, I feel like he's yeah. I feel like he's really had a moment like this this fall where he could have he could have stepped up and really kind of locked in a spot in that in that starting lineup. And uh, it just I, he's had a couple moments. I guess he had a little stretch there on game weeks six and seven. But um, yeah, you just you would think I don't know. It's like he's uh, he kind of missed his moment. It feels like a little bit and. Uh, I think I think Silva's going to end up claiming that spot back. So I was having a little bit of a Twitter banter conversation with Apple Bonkers um, about momentum within Manchester City. Did Aguero have momentum? Did Jesus at one point have momentum? Is Pep just not able to identify the players who need the minutes on the pitch that need the starts to continue that? And you look at Mares is, is another example of that. Of was Pep has he been able to exploit Mahrez's momentum enough? Has he been able to man manage him to the point where he is able to be more consistent or is Mahrez just sort of, has he peaked? It's, it's just so difficult to know. There are just are, there are only questions, no answers as far as Manchester city is concerned. Yeah. It's so given, given that, uh, and given that it's sort of, I feel like we had a stretch there for four or five weeks where it felt like things were pretty locked in. You kind of knew who you wanted in your defense. You kind of knew who you wanted your midfield. Um, and I just, I, it feels like a lot of interesting things sort of happened at once, which is that a lot of reliable fantasy assets have become slightly unreliable. Some of them got injured in the case of someone like Tammy Abraham. Um, and some of them just emerged. Uh, I think that uh, yeah, Raul Jimenez and uh, Lise Mousset and um, and some of the players that we're about to talk about are sort of, you know, and like just Spurs in general, I think, are are out there now. And it's kind of a fun time because we're about to go into a ton of, a ton of matches in a very compressed amount of time. And um, there are a lot of options available and I just, it's more fun that way. I mean, like it, it can completely backfire and it's, it leads to like a lot of swings, you know, like you can, but, but I, as, as someone who's not leading my mini league, I love it. You know, <laughs> let's, let's like embrace uh -huh. it and, yep. and just, and just try to identify the players we want to bring in. So uh, let's get into some questions here about, um, so I, I broke this up into three categories, uh, new faces, new managers, and is it time to move on? Uh, so the first is the new faces section, and uh, Gabe Castellanos says, should we consider Spurs assets? Uh, and then I'm just going to tack on two questions to that. Well, Luke Wilson says, Deli Alley, is he really back? And FPL Ebra says, Kane, stick or twist? So Brandon, Spurs assets, you you have one. That worked out well for you, double figures. <laughs> It did. Yeah, I went for Sun and that was a slight concern because uh, the 4-2 victory for Spurs midweek in the Champions League, the player who wasn't involved was Sun. And you think, well, I want to target foreign players for my FPL team. Why do I have the one guy who didn't achieve anything? I guess he maybe had an assist in the Champions League fixture, but... Deli Ali is like suddenly emerged as um, after his brace and he's scored two week two game weeks in a row. He's got this insanely low ownership of 2.5%. It's between Ali and Son, and then you put Kane in there in the mix, who, you know, he's dropped in price to 10.9, which makes him kind of an interesting 
uh, striker to fit into your setup. But for kind me, I, I just look at Spurs. Yeah, kind of, right, exactly. And I, I'm heading exactly where you think I'm heading because it, while there are these options, I just don't want to get cute. I feel like Sun has the track record. While Ali looks compelling, you do a stats comparison between Ali and Sun over the last two weeks, and Ali is coming out slightly ahead mm-hmm. um, in terms of touches and goal involvement and and all of that. But I just feel like I want the reliability and Sun is my guy. I think if you have the cash, it's him all the way. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I, the Ali thing is kind of, he kind of snuck up on me a little bit. And when people were talking about him last week, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of ready to accept it yet. You know, it was, it was like, I needed like a little, I needed to see a little more. And, uh, I mean, he almost had a hand trick yesterday. Right. I and mean, I think he missed a big chance, uh, in, in the second half of that match too. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So I'm, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think I'm with you there. I mean, the, the price difference is, is significant. I mean, we can't, this, this is not like for like, I mean, 9.8 million versus 8.5 million, uh, is, is a huge difference. You know, I mean, 8.5 million is fairly easy to get to from someone like Mason Mount. Uh, three million is a lot, you know, that, that, that requires some real, some real tinkering. So, um, yeah, I mean, the one thing about Ali too, is that when he's, you know, in form, he's a real 90 minute player, you know, and, uh, I don't know, they've got like a nice run of fixtures coming. He's pretty, I mean, his son has someone is, well, it's, it's hard to say because we also don't know like how Mourinho is going to play all of these people. You know, it used to be that son was a player who, very rarely had 90 minutes, you know, he'd get 60 to, you know, 65 to 78 or something like that, kind of in that range. Um, that was certainly true, you know, last season. Um, but, you know, since Mourinho's come in, it's been 90 and 87 and he also played at midweek, uh, in the champions league. And so maybe he, maybe his role has shifted yeah. slightly, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, like it's, right. I don't know that anyone can really say for sure though. Um, you know, how, like, a, but, I mean, I, I don't even know if that matters, right? Like, you know, the player you want, whether they're going to play an extra 15 minutes, I'm not really sure if that should really change your, your transfer decision that much anyway. It does change your transfer decision. If you're talking about somebody like, uh, Iozzi Perez on Leicester, who's getting subbed right at the 60 minute mark. And I think that's a sub substantial missing of of minutes to achieve what your like fpl points target might be but you know if we know anything historically about Mourinho, it's that he likes to stick with a trustworthy starting 11 he's not really going to rotate that much so if you're identifying especially deli ali and son as locked in starters along with kane he's maybe occasionally going to sub them off at 85 minutes just not to tempt fate uh, with an injury. I, I like that. And I, I feel strongly about that. I guess like, I don't want to, um, totally discount or dismiss the idea of Deli Ali. Like I, I, yeah, again, like I'd underscore that, that ownership. If you have it, if you brought in Deli Ali this week, even before he got to 2.7% ownership and he scores a brace, that is a huge, rise in overall rank for you, uh, especially over people like me who just piled in on on Sun when Mourinho came in. So I do think that's a sound move. But for me, if I'm thinking for the long term, I don't know. Yeah. You're you're gonna I, have to guess here, Josh. But if you <laughs> yeah. had to guess over the next uh through game week twenty one, who's going to walk away with more points? Uh excluding let's let's for the sake of this, exclude 
this week, exclude game week 14 between Sun okay, and Okay, just Delia. starting today, who's going to get more points for the next six yeah. weeks? Yeah, I mean, I would I would go with Sun as well, um, especially having watched uh, their match last week, the West Ham match. I mean, he was just so dominant in that match. He was incredible. Um, yeah, so uh, as far as so Sun, I feel I feel I'm kind of like with you. I, it feels like a it would actually even be reasonable, I think, to just to just move on from from Salah or someone like that to to, to Sun. Um, I don't think you need to have Liverpool coverage necessarily, um, or even you know if you're doubled up with Sterling and KDB, maybe one move one of those to Sun. I think that's fine. Ellie is, I don't know. It's like I mean, I, I guess we have you know. I, this has to be one of those times, I think, where I just say, I don't know, you know, and we just have to kind of wait and see a little bit longer. It's like a very boring answer. And I, you know, it's it's not a very fun response to give, but I, I just don't have a strong opinion on him yet. I don't know. I don't know if you do, but I, my feeling is that he could be good or he could be kind of mediocre. And he's just, it's, I mean, he only had five goals and four assists all of last season. You know, he had two goals and one yeah. assist going into yesterday, going into Saturday's match. So it's not like, we have any real tracker. We were sort of basing on what we saw from him two or three years ago. Um, so is yeah. a new manager enough for that to be a last team bump? Um, you know, I know he's yeah. had some injuries too, but it's, I don't know. It just feels, feels kind of risky to me still. I feel like I could make a case for Deli Ali and I, let me try to make a case. Like I, and I okay. had, I had said to our Patreons earlier when Mourinho comes in, who are the players that just weren't working the last six to nine months under Pochettino? Deli Ali was probably public enemy number one. Christian Eriksen was another case and maybe that he just didn't get the move that he wanted and he was receding because of that. But Mourinho to come in and give Deli Ali a kick in the butt, he's, he just strikes me as that type of player. And we're seeing it now that he's responding to that sort of man management. Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, and if what we're seeing is this instant impact from Mourinho and basically giving some sort of laying down some new law for Deli Ali, then I could fully believe that Deli Ali is really back. He is the real deal. What he needed was a new father figure in his life. And and here it is. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I find that kind of compelling. I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to bring him in. I, I, you know, his ownership isn't crazy low. He's a really fun player to watch. He's remember that when he had like that trio of of braces for like three matches in a row. He scored a brace. This is like three seasons ago now. Uh, yeah, the guy, yeah. the guy knows how to score. And so, yeah, maybe maybe his you know Mourinho's his new daddy, and uh, he wants to make daddy proud. So. Great. That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how about Harry Kane? Can we just like? Do we have? Do you have any interest in Harry Kane? Like any? I I just don't. I don't. Yeah. He, so we we look at the we we just got done talking about Deli Ali, where his character seems to have immediately changed, and I don't think Kane has a problem with his character. Like like no. almost the opposite. But yeah, um, his problem is seems to be his body. And yes. it's failing him. And that really can't change just with this new manager bump. So, yeah, given 10.9, while he is, you know, maybe a bargain it, price-wise compared to premium strikers, we haven't seen anything to make this worth a, a huge topic of conversation. Yeah, he's a great guy. Everybody likes Harry Kane, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he just you can't have him, uh, especially especially when Son is is offering so much more for a million less, and he's a lot easier to fit into your team. That's just that's just not a compelling yeah. argument for, for Kane out there. I mean, a way to look at it is Harry Kane is, has morphed into the uh, Roberto Firmino of Spurs, right. and. 
Sun and uh, Deli Ali look to be the Mane and Mosala. So go for the 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 midfielders with the better attacking output. And yeah, that's, that's just really the shrewd FPL way. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's an interesting way to think about it. I mean, I, I, in some ways, it's like it almost doesn't hold true because Kane plays more like a midfielder now, you know, than he does. <laughs> than, like, at least Firmino <laughs> yeah. plays further forward still, you know. But Kane's like a, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything bad about Kane, but yeah, I, I think his body has has betrayed him a little bit. Uh, FPL Classico brings up a player that we have not talked about very much on the podcast. At all. He says, "Do you trust Will Zaha? Do you trust Zaha, Brandon?" Let's step with me, Josh, into Brandon's FPL bias corner. Um, <laughs> it's not really an FPL bias corner. It's just like a bias corner. I mm-hmm. I don't care for Wilf Zaha. Uh, and I think he's he's just an incredibly streaky player. I mean, he has these these qualities the like that I like in Hungman Sun, where he's selfish on the ball and he's incredibly positive and in trying to get the ball forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's positive to a point where he becomes extremely negative and starts diving all over the place and grousing at the referee. <laughs> he, up until game week 13, he had done nothing. He had, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, maybe gone down for two penalties, which accounted for his two assists. At least one of those assists has to be a, a, a penalty call that Milivojevic converted. I think they had both done were, nothing. Yeah. And then suddenly he he's come in and, he scored two goals on the bounce, one against Liverpool, one against Burnley. Now, maybe I'm a hypocrite because I'm really excited about Deli Ali and Hungman Sun because of what they've done just in the last two weeks. So <laughs> yeah. why not the same about Zaha? Well, things are changing at Spurs. Things are getting different there. And at Palace, it's the same. And Zaha is the same. And Roy Hodgson and Roy's lovely wife, Sheila, they're still the same. Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't see anything that makes me think that Zaha is suddenly going to go on this insane run throughout the holidays and, and warrant our investigation of him. I, I will note that, uh, they did come up. So the first half of the season, the first half of the season so far, uh, he was definitely sulking, uh, right. Wanted to get a move to Arsenal or some other club and, and was denied because I think Palace rightly, um, felt like they couldn't find anyone to replace him certainly certainly in the window and that it was it might have been the difference between staying up and going down this is you know this is what you know uh swansea didn't do a few years ago right they just sold off um they sold off gilfie sigurdsson for a tidy profit to everton and then they immediately went down uh you know because they sort of missed their their dynamic you know uh talismanic player so so they, you know, I, I think he was sulking the first few weeks about that, uh, and then they had a really dreadful run of, fi- of of fixtures too. I mean, you know, West it was way to West Ham, Man City, Arsenal, Leicester, Chelsea, uh, kind of back, you know, back to back to back to back to back, um, and then just the last two matches. Um, actually, even that one was one of them was kind of tough. They played Liverpool at home, uh, and then Burnley away. Honestly, they really haven't had a good run of fixtures um, since the start of the season. And it's like a sea of green arrows the next few weeks, you know. So it's so his form is coming at just the right time. You know, they're playing basically, was it three? F- Bournemouth, Watford, Brighton, Newcastle, West Ham, Southampton, Norwich in the next seven. Not a single bad fixture among them. That takes you all the way through uh, through all of the holiday fixtures. You could and that team does not has you know doesn't really have enough depth, so he's going to play all of those matches. So he's in form. He's got good fixtures. Owned by less than ten percent of managers. 
Only costs six point six million. He's an exact like for like price replacement for Mason Mount. I don't know. I think there's some appeal there for sure. And uh, you know, and I don't know. It, like he, he sort of, he's kind of a. Fun, I think he's fun. Uh, I know you. Know, I know Zaha and Patrick Van Aanholt. Yeah, you, you, you sort of this, this whole Palace team. You don't really, you don't really jive. But do you like Gaita? Is there anyone you like on this team? Gaita made a really dope save this weekend. So props <laughs> to him. Um, yeah. Are you? Do I like? I like J. I actually like James Tompkins. I think he. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like his whole look. His whole joie de vivre. <laughs> it's a cool. Right. Here's cool a, look. here's yeah. a, here's a curveball. Um, one of my one of my soft spots. It's not a problem. And we've talked about the appeal of John McGinn uh, in the past and how Villa they have really decent fixtures what starting in game week 18 mm-hmm. so yeah to have and to hold John McGinn that's a great thing I have just enough cash to turn John McGinn into Zaha my my growing uh my growing issue with John McGinn is that he plays all over the pitch and there will always be one or two moments during the match where he's going to get forward and he's going to get involved in a in a goal scenario but Zaha, as I was saying, he's he's still at least a little more positive and will will be more involved than John McGinn. So that I don't know. That would that that's suddenly on the table for me, as much as I dislike <laughs> Zaha. Yeah. I mean it's on the table for me. I mean, and I've just been thinking about it more and more. I wonder if you could even go Zaha as kind of a short term punt and then possibly move um Possibly move him to Jack Grealish, um, you know, who I think is a really intriguing option as well. He looks amazing against United, Manchester United today. Yeah, he looks he's, so good. He's looked good for a while, and then you actually looked. He was sort of building some momentum, and then he got he got injured, and I think he missed missed. Yeah, he missed game weeks eleven and twelve, and so he came back, and he's got an assist and a goal in the last two matches. Their fixtures are fine. I mean, you could move right now, but it feels like. I, I agree with you. I think the move would be to wait till game week 18 with him. They played Chelsea away in game week 15. He could do something in that match. Uh, Sheffield United away in 17. Again, not a great fixture. Leicester at home in 16, not great either. Um, you know, so I think, yeah, I think game week 18, as you said, is really, you know, they play Southampton, Norwich, and Watford in those game week 18 through 20 window. Two of those at home. They're amazing at home. So, yeah, maybe Zaha, Mount to Zaha to Grealish. I think I like that. I'm actually using my, you can't see me right now, but I'm moving my hands around like I'm, like I'm moving chips at a poker table or something like that's, that's how you do it. I love it. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, their FPL WL7 is that how good is Jack Grealish in real life in FPL? He's more than just a haircut, Brandon. Yeah. He's not bad. Yeah. I think he, he looks really imperious out there on the field and the way he was, I mean, may, maybe it's just a testament to the ridiculousness of Pereira and Fred in the midfield for Manchester United, but the way Grealish was able to work the ball around them and the confidence with, with which he plays, even he had a uh, an assist chalked off by his foot um, for offside. Uh, I think it was, um, was it to Trezeguet maybe? Anyway, um, he was just, he was the most involved Aston Villa player by a mile. So yeah, I think come game week 18, a 007, absolutely check him out. Look at him. I feel like, I feel like you're in such a tough spot right now with, uh, with McGinn. Uh, it's that classic situation where you have it. It's like a, he's a, he's good, but you really want the other player on the same team, but burning a transfer yeah. to bring in that other similar player is like, just feels like such a like yep. for like frustrating swap. So I've, I've been there. I've been yeah. in your shoes. 
Yeah, luckily it's it's like it's they're marginal players of uh, uh, in the FPL game, so I, it it's not doesn't have that sort of weight that do yeah. I do I move Salah to Mane does. Yeah. So it could perhaps down the line be a fun sideways move to make. Yeah, and I think that those those players, like you know, ideally when you have the, and this is why it's been so hard for me to move on from Salah and KDB and uh, and you know uh, Raheem Sterling. You know, the really exp- the ten million plus players are the ones who should be pretty locked into your side, right? There, it's it's a huge investment to even bring in those players, and so barring injury, you, you, the expectations that you're kind of in for the long term with them. Whereas the players who are under seven million, let's say, um, at least we're talking about midfielders and forwards, are should be more expendable, you know, and you should sort of just kind of flip them around, you know, based on fixtures and form and things like that, you know, and so that's why even someone mm-hmm. like Timo Puki, who we're not talking about at all, and I mean, I'm certainly not like itching to bring him back in, but you know, like you gotta like let the past be the past, you know, it's like <laughs> he had like a, it was like a bad run for him for sure, uh, but you know, he's he's a talented striker, he's got the physicality for the league, he's absolutely locked into that team, yeah. um, you know, that yeah. he might be someone you want to consider and just and just. And just bear in mind that, you know, yeah, he was disappointed for a while, but that's what you expect from players who cost less than $7 million. They're, they're streaky, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. Just something to keep in mind. Well, yeah, let's let's jump ahead to Norwich because I, I want to talk about this quickly. Roger Kendrick asks, are Pookie and Cantwell back or is it just that Arsenal are woeful, refer, referring to Sunday's match? I suspect the second, but not sure. So, I'm wondering, I I guess I haven't scrutinized Norwich's shape too much recently, but there was that insanely terrible dip in Norwich's form. And then there's this moment where Cantwell gets subbed off and Onel Hernandez comes on and really changes the dynamic of the Norwich attack. Right. Then you flash forward to the last two game weeks where Norwich have actually looked much improved back to... They're somewhat winning ways earlier on in the season, and you've got both Cantwell and Hernandez starting together. So has Norwich sort of like cracked the code of like, oh, this is how we're going to get back into attacking form, which if if that is true, if their shape is slightly changed, maybe it does speak to uh, them being back, uh, that yeah. Norwich is a little more positive now. I heard some talk that Cantwell was was kind of getting like a tryout and, and like a number ten role. Um, I I don't know about that. And I to be honest, I, I didn't watch the uh, the Arsenal match this morning. I was too focused on the Sheffield United Wolves match to to really assess that one. And Brandon, I'm sorry to tell you that I did not watch the uh, the Norwich Everton match last weekend, uh, which. Uh, until he scored was like, I was like, well, there's no fantasy assets in that match anyway, you know? And so, uh, suddenly I feel like I need to go back and like, watch some, watch some highlights, you know, to see how Cantwell looked in these, in these two matches. I mean, the thing about him is that, I mean, he's, he's a great asset. I mean, he's, he's back in form, I suppose he's 4.2, 4.6 million overall, uh, four goals and two assists on the season. I mean, to get that many from anyone is 4.5 or thereabouts is, yeah. Is, is like a, a good return on the season, let alone uh, over the first, you know, 14 weeks. Yeah. And the price is right. And the the only bad thing about Cantwell is that he's, you know, he's liable to be a benching headache. Right. I think I was saved that headache this week because I knew Tammy Abraham was going to be out. But what else do you want from your fifth midfielder? I mean, Cantwell, you know, there was that, that month long span where Norwich was just not 
playable. Yep. But uh, e- even still, you're still getting more than your money's worth, I think, from Canwell as a fifth midfielder. So I think you and I are both pretty fortunate to have been dealing with other issues and left him on our bench. And I still think that like he's he's worthy of that fifth midfielder spot. Uh, now, now you have to consider starting him. I I did watch a um I second screened the Arsenal Norwich game and beyond the goal that Cantwell scored, he had a couple of clear goal scoring opportunities and he just put one that was a pretty clear shot on goal just wide of Leno. So he will have more opportunities, and I think he's going to get a few more goals before the end of the year. Yeah, I think he said it all. He's kind of the perfect fifth midfielder, especially now that we feel like he's he's back in back as a starter. You know, that's the you just you just want anyone who's in your team and your fantasy team to be someone who at least is going to come on for like who could get you one or two points at the very least if they come on. Uh, you know, over the holidays, uh, it's very hard to have a team full of players who are going to consistently get you returns, you know? And so just, 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 just having them be a starter with like a little bit of attacking threat is kind of perfect. So I, okay. I have a hypothetical for you. What if tomorrow Frank Lampard comes out and says, Tammy Abraham is out for the rest of the year. He's back in January. Moving Tammy Abraham to Timu Puki heading into game week 15, Norwich are away Southampton. Then they have a home Sheffield United match. Not great. Followed by Leicester. It's like kind of ho hum fixtures for Norwich, but the price is right. He's an interesting player. Do you do you rubber stamp this move? No, I I don't think I do. I think I would rather I think I would rather try to find the money to go to Marcus Rashford, uh, who is about a million more than Tammy. I know that people talk about their fixtures, but I, I actually don't think they're that bad. Um, I mean, they play Spurs at home at midweek. I think that's fine. I mean, Spurs have conceded. At least, has it been two goals in all three of Mourinho's matches so far? Uh, they play away to Man City. Man City don't have a very strong defense this year. And then it's a really nice run after that. So, And if there's a goal, it seems like he's going to be involved in some way. It was, it was that turnaround from, from goal scored to... Uh, uh, from goal scorer to big chance missed and Tom Heaton own goal was pretty, was pretty big. Uh, I think it was like a four point swing <laughs> yes. from him. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, but I really like him as an asset. I really considered, I considered him instead of Jimenez, uh, this game week I ended up doing the Jimenez move because Jimenez is a million cheaper and, uh, and I could make that move without burning four. But yeah, I think that, I think that Rashford is definitely, uh, someone I consider. I also think that, I mean, I, I keep talking about him, but I think Lise Mousset is, fantastic uh as as a you know he's up to 5.1 million but um he's in great form chef you don't have great fixtures if you moved someone like tammy to him that frees up you know about two and a half million you know there's a lot of money that you can use to uh to make a big upgrade somewhere in your midfielder defense so um yeah we definitely think about him as well yeah i do think muse looked really sharp uh this weekend even better than he looked last weekend against um whoever Sheffield United played last weekend. All right, let's move on to the next question. It comes from uh, Joachim, who wants to know, who are the mega cheap options that actually play and are decent? FPL Husker-Doo follows up. Is $4.1 million for Brandon Williams of Manchester United? Is he on your radar as a cheap defensive option? So Brandon Williams ended up coming off for Luke Shaw um, Late in that Aston Villa match, um, was he? Was that for an injury or something? I didn't quite catch, catch um, I don't, that. Um, I don't think so. He wasn't. He's not flagged right now. So I, I know he was. He was yeah. at fault, I believe, for the for the Ming's goal, and so maybe he got the hook um, as a result of that. Or maybe they're slowly, slowly working Shaw back in. 
He is a special uh, case of you look like a baby uh, in the <laughs> Premier League. Like he, he yeah. is a more even more like put him next to um, David um, David Brooks at Bournemouth, mm-hmm. and you've yeah. got like. Yeah, kinder, remember kindergarten? What a wonderful time. <laughs> Those two and then Lucas Lucas, Lucas Torreira, too. You throw him in there, and that's just a, a trio of 15-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So, I mean, we talked about Cantwell already, and I think that he deserves to be in the conversation for mega cheap, even though he's, he's just above 4.5. But if you want to look below 4.5 – uh, I can tell you who who I struggle to recommend, mm-hmm. Diego Rico, who <laughs> is just like a, a zero point machine. Even though all of a sudden, you know, yeah. if you want you want to believe that Bournemouth are a little better than what they're putting out there right now. But um, I had I had higher hopes for him. Who else? I think uh, I think Martin Kelly actually is is a, is a possible option. I mean, it looks like uh, Joel Ward is going to be out. They say he's expected back December twenty first, but I feel like usually that's 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 a week earlier than they actually come back. So, you know, I think there's a you know, given their fixtures, you know, there's a good chance you you would have Kelly for like at least the next four matches, um, home to Bournemouth, away to Watford, home to Brighton, away to Newcastle. Pretty pretty strong run uh, for a four point one million player. A little risky, maybe it's maybe it's a little nerve wracking to bring in a player, you know, right before the holidays um, when you don't know like how locked into that team they are. But um, you know, I feel like if you're searching for mega cheap, you're just trying to fund a move somewhere else anyway. So maybe that's maybe that's something to consider too. Yeah, Aston Villa. I think that you know that you could put them in the pile with Wolves and and Spurs and Liverpool. These teams that. They seem defensively sound, but they have trouble keeping clean sheets. But Aston Villa have these uh, pretty gifted fullbacks in Matt Target and Gilbert, both Mm -hmm. 4.4. So if you're looking for sub 4.5 defenders, I think they fit the bill. And, you know, the problem week of game week 18, Mm -hmm. uh, which players can we bring in to fill those Liverpool blanks that have decent fixtures and Aston Villa have home Southampton then – I think that's a great matchup for Target and Gilbert. Um, yeah, I think if, if you want to go just a little higher, I think that um, there are all of those all of those cheap um, Sheffield United defenders are definitely worth considering too. Uh, especially your, your boy George Baldock um, at four point six million. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really active again today. Picked up an assist today, uh, one goal and two assists on the season. You know. I don't know who the real who the non Lundstrom pick you, should, you really want to have there is. I mean, I guess it might be Enda Stevens, although he's he's the most expensive at five point one million. So, I think you could you could go Baldock or O'Connell. I mean, can you really tell the difference? You know, I mean, I'm not a big enough Sheffield United fan to know <laughs> <laughs> who the better player is between those those cheapies. But uh, if Baldock is the one that I feel like you see most often, kind of in the mix, so he's he'd be my pick. Yeah, I just don't see anybody in the midfield uh, range b- below four point six where Cantwell is. Yeah, that's just even remotely worth it. I mean, Gwenduzi, I think, thankfully, his moment has passed, and we don't have to talk about him. Yeah, Isaac Hayden, no, no, thank you. 
Uh, Dendonker is, you know, the Peter Blake rule of don't pick a player who is playing um, farther back than FPL thinks they are. Yeah. Dendonker was playing in central defense today. And (laughs) if he's a midfielder, it's just like he's even farther away from where you want him to be for FPL. So that's and he's not going to get clean sheet points. Yeah. I don't know if he was just there for one week or not. Uh, I guess he was because he was filling in for Sace. But it just like just don't even. Yeah. The Dendonker thing is a trap, right? He, he scored two goals last season and we all got sucked into it. And yeah, it just, just, just avoid, I think is the, the safe way to go there. Um, all right, Brandon, next we a couple more questions here. Uh, Danny Ings, FPL seven minutes says Danny Ings is it time to take advantage of his good form and Southampton's good fixtures over the festive period. What do you think about Ings goal and three bonus points? Kind of lucky. Kind of lucky. Yeah. Goal. Yeah. I think, I think he's fine. I've had good times with Danny Ings. I've, you know, I think we've all had good times with Danny. We've all, also owned him when he goes down with a career-ending knee injury, um, and somehow he just pops <laughs> yeah. up like an old cat. Yep, uh, I like him. And you, yeah, these these fixtures are really decent heading into game week eighteen. You know, as I mentioned, that uh, Southampton do play Villa in eighteen, which is not a terrible attacking fixture. Yeah, and West Ham, Newcastle, Norwich uh, between now and then. So if you just need a, a player to quickly fill a gap up front for you, I. I like that move. I don't think there are better options in that price bracket for strikers. Yeah. I mean, I actually would prefer Musay over Ings, um, and he is a million cheaper. But, yeah, I mean, Ings, surprisingly, has not missed a match yet this season. And uh, he's got seven goals, which is uh, pretty – actually, more than I realized. And th- he scored three matches in a row. So, um, yeah, I think that Ings is definitely a, definitely an interesting option. I, I will say, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of agreeing with you, but I actually personally would never have my team <laughs> uh, because I just don't mm-hmm. like the – I don't like the injury risk. And uh, with all of these matches over the holidays, I just think he's going to get rested more than your typical forward will. Um, and I just don't want to deal with, with that. And uh, maybe that's to my own detriment, you know, and I'm going to miss out on some goals because of that. But that's just how I feel about it. Mr. Ings, <laughs> Mr. Ings, I, I, you're, I will agree with you too on the Musa shout. I mean, he's been a great transfer for you, and he like that Sheffield United team genuinely look good, and They're, you know it's not just yeah. a park the bus standard um, up from the championship sort of team. They have a a full on dare I say sophisticated attacking style. Their the match today with Wolves was like a great match for neutrals. You know, like if you just if. Fantasy aside, it was just a really fun back and forth match with two teams with good managers and interesting styles. And I, I really hope that Duno doesn't leave for Arsenal. I don't think he will. Um, but I, I kind of want to like I, I am an Arsenal fan, but I kind of want to see where this project goes with Wolves. You know, um, I don't know. It feels like poaching Nuno. That doesn't seem like the right move to me. Like, just just wait, wait until the end of the year. Bring in Arteta. That's that's the move. And that's that's what I would do. Yeah, personally. Right. yeah you get that Lampard-esque sort of vibe. Uh, not that. Arteta is a Lampard type um, figure at Arsenal, but see, young manager, young unproven manager that might do well in the locker room. Brandon, we got one final question here. It's about the new managers. And I thought we could just talk about Arsenal a little more broadly. But Andrew S. says, should FPL managers now be targeting players who are facing Arsenal? Harsh, but possibly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> Uh, does anything change with Lundberg in there? I mean, do we, I mean, defensively attacking wise, are you, the defenders are still off limits, obviously, but, uh, would you, I mean, Aubameyang, I mean, I know he's an easy player to fit in, but, um, 
I think he's is he is he like a recipient of the new manager bump, perhaps? He could be. He could be. I think that this is um along the lines of what I was saying with Zaha versus Deli Ali, where Deli Ali is responding to a new situation and Zaha's responding to I don't know what. Arsenal are in between because they do have a new manager or they just don't have their old manager in the interim. But I don't think that anything will change at Arsenal because I do have problems with the component parts. The fact that Mustafi gets a start under um, Jungberg today, like that's a problem. That's a big problem mm-hmm. for Arsenal. Mustafi yeah. is is a, a terrible central defender. He's proven it over yeah. the last two seasons. So. And you know it's it's not like the uh, like the center backs just sit back there and try to block shots. No, in this modern game, Josh, the center backs are also responsible for helping start the attack. Sure, we saw Sheffield United play earlier today. Yeah, right. I mean, Mustafi comes away with an assist. I will grant you that against Norwich, but um, you know, I don't corner think that kick that, assist uh, that doesn't really count. things to come. Yeah. 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 Those corner kick assists don't really count. That's like a headed, you know, that's that's different. The big question is, yeah, like uh, nothing has really changed with Aubameyang almost uh, to the better because I think he's he's still good. He's He isn't right at that Harry Kane price point of 10.9. And I guess you, you would maybe go for Aubameyang over Kane at this point, just given that Spurs midfielders are interesting and there are no midfielders to choose from at Arsenal. The only question I have with Arsenal is Lacazette and is that – a cheeky way in. Uh, I, I, I've been burned by trying this gambit a few yeah. times. I think the whole team is still just a stay away and I, I just don't, I mean, Aubameyang's fine. I mean, I don't know. He's a, he's, a, he's a good option for sure. But I mean, we just went through like a long stretch of nothing happening and I, we all have to kind of learn our lesson, right? When, when a player goes off against Norwich city, that does not necessarily mean that they're a player we really want although it does seem like players have used north city as a springboard to a nice run <laughs> like i'm thinking of tammy abraham <laughs> scored the hat trick against them earlier this season so i don't know maybe i mean you know it's I mean, he's interesting but i'm certainly not rearranging my team to bring in Yang. if you have him that's awesome and i i agree with you lacazette is the the classic trap player where you're like well i want Yang, but i can't afford him but i can afford this other guy who's not as good you know in the same team and uh, that's that's how you end up with players like telemans who i have right now who's kind of like like, why do I have him? You know, like, what am I getting out of Telemans? There's no point, you know? And so, yeah, I think that there's definitely, um, it's definitely worth considering him. I think the the rest of the team is just, you know, one big, uh, one big write-off as the accountants say. Uh, all right, Brandon, let's take a quick break and we'll get back and we're going to look at game week 15, which kicks off in just two days time. Brandon, the holiday rush is here, and you have to be able to ship out orders quickly, efficiently, and affordably. That's, Brandon, the royal you. That's all of us. You you uh-huh. out there, you the listener. Luckily, ShipStation can help with just a few clicks. We'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare and choose the best ship, uh, shipping solution for you and your customer. You take the hassle onto the holidays this year, Brandon. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. 
And Josh, a quick note on Harry's razors. Guys often get dull, cliche gifts like socks, wallets, and ties. As a special offer for fans of Always Cheating, we have partnered with Harry's Razors to give you a $5 off any shave set, including their limited edition holiday sets, when you go to harrys.com slash blue wire. Plus, you'll get free shipping. Each of Harry's shaving sets comes with a weighted handle with an option to engrave. Imagine getting a personalized razor for that special someone. I would like that. Yeah, it would be awesome. Also with that engraved handle or non-engraved handle, you get five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, a travel cover to protect your blades, and it's also packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. It's ready to give as a gift right at your front door. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com slash blue wire. That's harrys.com slash blue wire. All right, Brian, we're back. No lane run this time. We're going straight on to the preview. Let's give the people what they need, okay? I just made a fist when I said yeah. you need there, Brandon. Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, uh, we've got uh, two matches. We've got a Palace and Bournemouth. We've got Burnley and Man City. Mm-hmm. There's a trap that I will sometimes fall into, but I think a lot of people fall into because ultimately I am a fantasy manager because like like one of the re- like the reason I play fantasy Brandon is because I love mm-hmm. watching fantasy games where I have stakes in them. You know, so sometimes I may I fall into mm-hmm. the trap of transferring in a player because I know I'll be able to watch them on TV that week. <laughs> and I know that I have okay. I I have Tuesday off. I do not have Thursday off. So it would be tempting to bring in Will Zaha just because I know that I will be able to watch this Palace match on Tuesday. Um, and that is a dumb reason to, to bring in a player, right? I should not. I should not. That should not be part of my thinking, right? No, that's that's amateur status, Josh. Come on. Mm-hmm. You're better than that. I, am um, than I mean, that. bring I, Zaha. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we made a case to bring Zaha in for other reasons. So mm-hmm. just tell me that you're bringing him in for other reasons and keep keep yeah. that uh, keep that TV bias to yourself. Yeah, I don't know about you. I was just looking at my team as, as we were talking a minute ago, and I'm kind of an interesting spot for Game Week 15. Um, I sort of have a bit of a benching dilemma. Um, I'll, I'll just... I'll tell you right now. I, I have Jamie Vardy as my as my captain at uh, home to Watford. I think that's a fairly easy decision to make. It doesn't seem like he's going to be rotate. You know, seems very unlikely to be rotated, right? And uh, and obviously Watford are are basically terrible, and they're without a manager, so it's a uh, kind of a kind of a no brainer captaincy decision. But right now it's so I have my kind of I've got I've got four at the back right now uh, with Sonjuanchu, Lundstrom, Trent, and Van Dyke. And the question to me is whether I bench. I have to bench two out of three between Tielemans, Mount, and Cantwell. And so of those three, which one would you start in game week 15 between Tielemans, Mount, and Cantwell? Mm, that is a very tough one. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I think, too. I think that Mount is probably the first one off the table for me. Mm-hmm. It would be between – Tielemans has a great home fixture against Watford. Right. I think we'll talk a bit more about that match when we get to our captaincy discussion. Yeah. And then Cantwell, he's just kind of resurgent. And Southampton have no ability to play defense as far as I can tell. Yep. I mean, Norwich on the road, bit of an issue there. Not as strong. Then you could point to yep. Mount being at, at home. Jesus. I mean, I think that the um, standard FPL logic would say 
Telemans and then Mount. And then even though Cantwell is resurgent and Mount is on the decline, you can't favor Norwich on the road. Brandon, this is why you and I are simpatico on so many things. I have Telemans <laughs> starting right now with Mount in the first spot and Cantwell in the second spot. It's the thing is, one of these, one of my starters will not be playing. There's, I just guarantee it. I don't know who it's going to be, you know, but we are, there was almost no rotation at, you know, at the weekend. And, you know, seven of these yeah. 20 club, clubs played, played European matches at midweek last week. And so they played midweek matches and then matches this weekend and then matches in a couple of days and then more matches in game week 16, which kicks off next weekend. There's just no way that all of these key fantasy assets are going to start four fixtures in, in two weeks. I just don't see that happening. So, and obviously there was the, there was their matches before those European matches too. You know, the, the game week uh, fourteen fixtures or thirteen fi- fixtures. So, um, yeah. So I, I were I, the the way you set up your bench is going to be super important this game week. I think because um, you're probably going to need it. And I, I agree with you. Sterling is on four yellow cards. They have the Manchester derby um, at the weekend. It feels very dangerous to play him in that Burnley match. And I think there's a very good chance he just doesn't even make the 18 for that one. Um, I think KDB is at risk, though, too. I know that you feel like he's more likely to start. But I I think that they're both – it would not shock me if they both were on the bench or one of them didn't get the didn't get the match at all. Um, maybe KDB is just is just too important, but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of miles on him the last few weeks. So, yeah, um, I think it'll be. I don't know. What do you have any thoughts on just general rotation over the next uh, over the next you know two matches? I guess two game weeks. Yeah, my thoughts are I'm concerned about it, but I do want. I guess it does bear mentioning that um, I think managers get a little too stressed about it and then that starts influencing some some rash and irrational decisions yeah so i don't think you should get so worked up about rotation that you start punting on players just for one or two game weeks i think you should still be looking to make moves within your team that will benefit you over the course of the next four to six game weeks so like yeah, it's going to burn all of us, whether it's midweek now or whether it's Boxing Day. It's coming for all of us. Yeah. But don't get too freaked about it. Don't. Um, but but I, and I think you mentioned this on your Patreon podcast on Thanksgiving and that targeting if it is if you do feel like you are exposed with potential rotation and you have some marginal transfers that you can make, maybe you need to move on a, a poor bench defender you start looking at those teams like Sheffield United or Aston Villa who don't have deep benches, that don't have a lot of extraneous European commitments where rotation will be at a bare minimum and look to target those teams so you have some security of uh, cheaper players starting week in, week out. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's good. That's good logic. I mean, I think that Sheffield United defense has been almost unchanged. I guess there was one injury injury enforced change in the first 14 weeks of the season. Um, they're so I, I don't want to get into Sheffield too much because we already talked about them a lot already, but it was amazing in that first half. I feel like every time Wolves had an attack, just they were so that defense is so tight. You know, it is so organized yeah. and just the way that they just boom, it was back. And suddenly it was like, there were six, six Sheffield players to three Wolves players on the, you know, it was just, it was very, um, it was like, it felt like they were outnumbering Wolves on both sides of the pitch at times. And, uh, you know, it took a great pass from Jimenez to actually, 
break open that that game for Wolves. Um, then they were a little better after that goal was scored. But before then, it was like it was going to take a moment of brilliance to actually score on that team. So, um, yeah, so they're they're good. Right. Yeah, I think the interesting match, uh, just to close out the Tuesday match discussion, is Palace-Bournemouth. I think it's just so much upside for Palace. Yeah, if you have Martin Kelly, you start him here. If you're targeting Zaha, this is why. Bournemouth are just in a sorry state, and I'm not planning on starting Sergio Rico hmm. in this match. And then Man City, as we're saying, we really don't know what's going to happen with this team. They're not in great form. And if you're looking to captain anybody, I just don't think Manchester City is in the conversation right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either, especially because of the risk of uh, of rotation. I, it you know we we might get a leak or something like that, but um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you. I just feel like it's not uh, it's too risky. I mean, maybe you say I've I've spent this money on Jesus if you brought him in ahead of game week 14 and, you know, he got uh, a sub at 83 minutes on a two pointer. You want to make it worth your while and do a, ch- a cheeky captaincy yeah. hunt on him. But uh, it, it's I mean, Burnley. Burnley were not. It, you, you'll be in the minority. Burnley were not strong uh, at the weekend. 100 percent for sure. But they their defense has been pretty good you know, outside of this last weekend. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a weird, I, I actually wonder if they come out a little bit stronger because of how they played this weekend. It was like a real mistake prone match for them, a little out of character, I think. And so, um, yeah, I don't see, you know, even, even someone like Jesus, I mean, I, I, yeah, he could do something for sure, but, um, I, I don't really see him as a, I feel like he's enough of a differential in your team, just, just having him, you know, that I don't think you need to like double down and, and captain him. Although I do, I do hear what you're saying, especially when Vardy is such a great captain pick on Wednesday. Right, so Wednesday it is, and that match, Leicester home again, uh, uh, hosting Watford, a managerless Watford. It just seems like another no-brainer Vardy captaincy. It's getting a little dull, though. It's <laughs> not without its joy. At least Vardy yeah. continues to score, so there's nothing dull about it. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, I don't think it's – and his ownership is – it's funny because – yeah, and I feel like in our mini league we're all very we're very Vardy focused, but I think overall you still there's a lot of Mane captains captains out there. I think it's a reasonable case for Mane in this in the uh, the Everton. What, what is that? What is that derby called? The um, the Merseyside the, derby. The Merseyside, of course. I think I called it the Liverpool derby <laughs> earlier. Forgive me. Uh, the Merseyside. <laughs> oh derby. my god! All just, the Everton fans are going to burn you and burn you at the stake. Well, they don't they? Well, they will play in Liverpool, right? That was what I was thinking. So, um, yeah, the uh, the I, I think that you know Mane could could do something in the uh, the Merseyside derby. I I think I have to hold Salah as well. I would. I mean, if you had most Salah, would you drop him before this match? I mean, especially get, consider that he came off twenty minutes early too. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I wouldn't. I think that Salah, you know, he's he's looked rough around the edges for a while now, but he's had his moments, and this is a just like that City game where Salah looked back to his best. This is a huge game for Liverpool. The fans are going to be having a party because they have a ten point lead on the table. Yep, these are the crosstown rivals. So here we go. Yeah, I think Salah has every chance of doing something in this match. Though, if you look at the Merseyside Derby in the last couple of seasons, it's been a very tight affair. Even however good Liverpool have looked going into this match. Last year was that insane finish where Divac Origi headed in the game winner off uh, Mm -hmm. after Pickford. Insane. um, Palmed that off the crossbar. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's been a tight uh, a, a tight uh, few matches, but Everton are just in a real state, and 
I think the big question is, will Everton, like Watford, be an interim management status heading into Wednesday? They very well could be. I think they could be. I think it would be a little unfair based on today's results. They were probably as good as Leicester on the, on, you know, overall today, I thought they actually looked pretty strong and, and came out. They're certainly the better team in the first half and um, had lots of chances in the second half too. So if you were letting him go after today's results, I think that would be a little harsh. Don't you? I mean, a little, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, the full body of work. Right. Sure. But, but I, yeah, based on yesterday's or today's match, maybe not. Yeah. All right. Well, what else is catching your eye there, Josh? Well, I think Man United Spurs will be really interesting. I, I don't, think I'll have anybody in that match, any any fantasy assets. But um I I mean, first of all, it's Mourinho returning to Man United, which is kind of cool and interesting. Um or I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting, you know, storyline. I <laughs> wear safety goggles. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. And you know, like I, I, I genuinely don't know who's gonna win that match. Um I guess you might think that Spurs would be the if I were betting, that's probably the team I would I would bet on. But Fantasy wise, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, fantasy wise, I have no idea. I mean, if I was going to bank on anyone getting an attack and return in this match, I'd actually go with Marcus Rashford uh, over over anyone on Spurs. Uh, yeah, Anthony mm-hmm. Martial just kind of fell off again, didn't he? It's a it's a funny thing with him. He's sort of a shock you know, and streaky. surprise. <laughs> I know we're neither of us are huge fans of his, but he's a. Uh, I mean, he's fun. He just like he's he's kind of sulky, and you know, I don't know. He's a uh, he feels a little. Maybe his maturity level is not the highest, right? Is that like a polite way to say that? You know, I think he's, yeah. He doesn't get the job done. That's all there is to it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's not it's not happening. Rashford is Rashford is the move to make if you're looking to move on Man United. But so yeah, it's like if you've got him, play him in Man United Spurs. Do, do you plan to play him again? I guess yes. In my looking at my bus team, John McGinn is starting, but you know that this is sort of the source of what I brought up earlier on in the podcast. Of McGinn is just he's. I mean, I don't know what I'm expecting of him, but he has been very quiet the last few months, and not just quiet in terms of FPL returns, but I just haven't seen enough from him to say it's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's a concern for me. So it's really just that uh, turning of the tide in game week 18 that is making me hold on to John McGinn. If I have him, I will. If I have him come Tuesday, the Tuesday deadline, I absolutely will be starting him against Chelsea. But uh, I'm not not super psyched about it right now. I'd like the book is out on him a little bit. Like he's kind of like John Lundstrom, you know, where it's like watch out for his like kind of late like runs into the box. You know, it feels like. Am I right in thinking that's kind of how McGinn has scored some of his goals this season? Is he sort of like kind of emerged out yeah. of the – at least if you're watching from TV, it's kind of like where's McGinn, where's McGinn, where's McGinn, jumps into the screen, <laughs> scores a goal, you know. So I don't know if maybe they've – he's getting covered a little more closely now or something. It, it may be. I think he has like a free role to a degree and then he might have fewer defensive responsibilities than Lundstrom does. But that said, there are just so many um, – firing free-floating midfielders in that Villa setup that um, I think like there are a few people ahead of McGinn in line right now when mm-hmm. they're teeing up for balls coming in from whether they're the fullbacks or Grealish. Uh, it, it worries me. Like The points are getting spread around a little too much. Um, that brings us to Thursday's matches, uh, Sheffield United-Newcastle and Arsenal-Brighton. I have to say, I 
did not, I took a, what felt like a big risk. Uh, of course, these things never seem as risky in hindsight, but it felt like a very big risk um, playing Mousset over uh, Lundstrom today. And <laughs> I think Lundstrom is now the most owned player in the game. And so uh, I was very worried. And actually, I think he had a pretty big chance. Uh, I think it was McGoldrick, who's just, like, cannot score this season, but McGoldrick had a, a big run of the box and, um, Patricio spilled the ball and it kind of spilled just just out of reach of Lundstrom. And uh, that would have been an absolutely killer goal. I think it was before Wolves had equalized too. Uh, but man, that guy mm-hmm. is like yeah. he's borderline captainable for this game at home to Newcastle. Like that's that's how that's how <laughs> good he is. <laughs> yeah, to watch Lundstrom play is is to truly love the man. He uh, he's great, like that big frame. And yeah, I remember that play where Mousse shoots and and the ball is spilled and Lundstrom th- throws his arm uh, arms up because he's he's kind of like got that addiction now. Uh-huh. He, yeah. he loves scoring <laughs> goals. He knows how good it feels. Yep. And he was, I, I've had this happen to be a billion times playing FIFA, right? Like the, the ball just squirts just this way or that way and you'd have an easy tap in and it's aggravating. <laughs> it was very yeah. FIFA for for John John Lundstrom today. Yeah, and uh, Musse, I, I I think uh, you know I, I'd fancy him to do something in this match as well. Um, the the I was a little worried that he might get rotated, but the way the matches are spaced out with a with a match on Sunday and then they they play on this this matches on Thursday, um, you know, there's three days difference, and he was subbed off I think around 75 minutes or so uh, today. So I think that he's pretty likely to. St- I'd be surprised if he didn't start in that in that Thursday match. Um, so yeah, and then Arsenal Brighton. Um, I don't, you know, I have, um, it's interesting. I have Pope and Matt Ryan as my two rotating keepers. And I think it's really interesting picking between those two players in terms of who you'd want. Yeah. I'm sort of inclined to go with Matt who Ryan. Who are you going to go for? I think Matt Ryan. Um, I mean, I think that Arsenal could, of course, I expect them to score in that match, but doesn't that just feel like a match where Matt Ryan, I mean, Matt Ryan was like, I can't believe he only came out from that Liverpool match with two say with uh, two points total. Um, I guess he was on five yeah. saves, but he had five saves. Yeah. But he was yeah. huge in that match. Like so, so good. Stopped a, you know, a couple of sure goals in that match. I mean, he was incredible. And so, um, I don't know, I guess I just feel a little more like, like, I feel like Man City and Arsenal are both going to score, but I think there's a better chance that Arsenal kind of pepper the goal and, uh, Matt Ryan kind of pads his stance as some easy saves in that match. So, I don't know. What do you think? If you had if you had Pope and Pope and Ryan, who would you go with? Yeah, you're right. I would go Matt Ryan as well. And you, we we talk about goalkeeper form so little. Either it's a good goalkeeper or a bad goalkeeper. I think that the conversation of goalkeeper form has really only come up recently with regard to David De Gea, and he's kind of out of form. You think about David De Gea at the top of his form. I think about Manchester United v Arsenal like two seasons ago. And De Gea was just stopping everything left, right, and center. He mm-hmm. he just like was in the zone. And lo and behold, who is also playing Arsenal this weekend? It's Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan is in that zone where he's just he's totally dialed in. Yep. He's he's gonna make all kinds of saves. So I feel good about that. And this this if you have that kind of decision between Pope and Ryan, you just want to go for the goalkeeper that you think is gonna be more involved. And uh, yeah, so you go for Matt Ryan. I mean, the only reason to go with with Burnley is if you thought that they could keep a clean sheet in that match, which um, which I don't. So, uh, all right, um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, again, I mean, I just don't think he'll be involved as involved as you were just kind of saying that Matt Ryan probably will be. So, um, Brandon, that's the pod. Uh, quick turnaround time. Uh, we're going to try to get this one up as soon as possible. Thank you for listening. Um, 
these uh, I know these ones where we do it really fast. It's, it always feels a little rushed to me, but uh, I'm glad we're able to get something out before uh, before Game Week 15 kicks off. So uh, thank you to list, for listening once again. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, you can become a patron um, and join the Slack and get the extra podcast, join our mini league, all that stuff. Uh, mini league gets to pick up anything they want from the Always Cheating Shop. Uh, so go to Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating for that. Brendan, do you want to thank our Patreon producers? Yeah, big ups to our producers, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Chris Carter, Martin Savage, Brian T., Big Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Adam Benjamin, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner-Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Frederick Kean, Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Mike DiPietro, Victor Forberg, Skoging, Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine Lelang, Stein Niehaus, Barry McGuire, Peter Bodectel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, and Andy Martin. If you'd be so kind, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts, and also just subscribe. You'll never you'll never miss a minute of this wonderful FPL banter. And follow us on social media. Josh, you're always active on social media on Twitter. What is that handle? Yeah, that's uh, at Hail Cheaters, H-A-I-L Cheaters. Uh, yeah, well, Toothless Gibbon actually is one of our newest producers. Has been very active on. Twitter as well. I've been talking to him there. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Hail Cheaters. Facebook is facebook.com slash always cheating. You can email us with any questions or comments or anything. Uh, Hail Cheaters at gmail.com. You can also visit the website to find out, to find new links to the podcast or old episodes of the podcast, uh, all these social media links and more. Just go to alwayscheating.com. Thank you for listening. Good luck to Jamie Vardy. Best of health, Jamie Vardy. And uh, Brandon, I will talk, <laughs> well, yeah, I, will, uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, Poku forever. Tail cheaters. Cheaters.